book of Acts is a wild chase through the first century by those in His Majesty's secret service. It's Jerusalem, it's Athens and it's Rome, it's languages and it's fire, it's shipwrecks and it's jailbreaks, it's trials and it's executions, it's conversions and life change, it's God's mighty power at work. Getting on the end, you only live twice. This missionary journey had gone pretty well so far from uh, the beginning of it. There was uh, right away, there was a bit of a dissension between Paul and Barnabas, and, and it was over John Mark and Paul and Barnabas, or Barnabas and John Mark left and went to another direction, and Paul chose Silas. Why Silas? Silas was a man who came recommended by the church leaders. He had been faithful, and he came highly recommended. And these two men were, they were faithful servants of God, and I like to call them the reality Christians. And I, I, uh, they weren't the, they weren't the politically correct Christians. And you know, there's, I say that in an amusing way, but there are a lot of politically correct so-called Christians. They weren't the tolerant. They weren't the inclusive. If they were, they would not have cast out the demon from the slave girl. They would have said, you can just go right ahead, do what you need to do. You know, we're all in this thing together. It's one for all and all for one. But, you know, it's really not that way. We're either on God's side or we're on the devil's side. There's no middle ground. And they had faithfully followed the Lord, and it brought them to this place. I appreciate the brethren, the leaders, the elders, and the pastor of our church. And I have confidence. 100% confidence in, in what they say and do that they hear from God. But as a result of this, as a result of this incident with this slave girl and the demon was cast out of her and her masters saw that their gravy train money was over and done, they grabbed Paul and Silas and they uh, they did a number of things. They seized them. They dragged them. They brought them against their will. And they stripped them. They beat them. They severely flogged them. And then they threw them in prison. And it says here in the 23rd verse of chapter 16, 23rd verse, After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. Well, and I made a point in the last service about this thing of being flogged. I doubt, seriously, if there are very many people in this audience today 
who could endure such a flogging as this. Maybe when I was younger, I might could have, but at, at this point in my life, I, I don't believe I could have lived through that. And they, they stripped them, they, that exposed their backs so that they would feel the full brunt of the rods that, were, that they were struck with. And the Romans didn't have a limit. The, the, Jewish, the Jewish people had a limit to 39 strikes. It was believed that 40 would kill you, so they just, in case they lost count, they would stop at 39. But the Romans didn't have that issue. They weren't worried about that. If you died as a result of being flogged, oh, well, just the cost of doing business. And so they were beaten. But, you know, Paul had a concept, and it was that absent from the body is present with the Lord. You know, I, I want to be with you all, but if I go to heaven today, that's okay too. I'm kind of like, I'm near that, but I'm not right there yet. I, I'm, I mean, I want to go to heaven, but I want to go today, okay? <laughs> after this service and after the Cowboy game is over, if they win. If they don't win. <laughs> but, you know, here they are. They're in this prison, and they've been beaten. And it says about midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I want to comment on that before I read any more. Now, they didn't just start at the stroke of midnight. They started praising God when they were placed in this dungeon. And they were beaten in this condition. They were beaten and their feet were put in stocks. That's when they started praying and praising and in one translation says, as they were doing that, as they were praying and praising, suddenly, anyway, I don't want to go there yet. I want to stay where I'm at. You would think about this time of day or night that they might be thinking something to the effect that, what's up with this, God? Why did you let this happen to me? Anybody in here ever questioned God about why is this happening? You told me this and that, and now this is happening, and it's not squaring up. So, you know, they, when they started on this journey, they were specifically given instructions. You can find it. Uh, it's all in here where they were to go, chapter 16, where they were not to go and where they were to go. They were stopped by the Spirit of the Lord from going to two other locations, which seemed to be the thing to do. And so Paul then had a vision. He was wondering, well, where are we going to go? And he has this vision, come over to Macedonia. And so based on the fact that he that they had been not permitted to go another two other places they wanted to go, he concluded that God had showed them the direction to go, and immediately they packed up and and headed in that direction, and they landed in Philippi, which was a Roman colony. And the Romans had many false gods, many idols. And uh, there weren't very many Jews there, very few, not enough to even have a synagogue, which is why Paul went to the place he thought was the place of prayer. But God opened the door and God began to speak to some of the people. God opened the heart of, of Lydia and her household. 
and several others, and now they have ended up in this place because they cast out a demon spirit, and it, it caused the, this chain of, of events that led them to the dungeon. What do you think a dungeon looked like then? Uh, a dungeon then, I strongly suspect, they didn't have central heat and air. They didn't have running water. They had, I think I'm safe to say this. I want you all to go with me for a moment into this prison. Watch out, there's a rat right there. <laughs> Watch where you step. Uh, anyway, I think they had an abundance of rats. I don't know if they have rats and mice, probably. Uh, spiders. How about those dreaded scorpions? Oh. And there was filth everywhere. There was no hygiene. The water was contaminated. The food was contaminated. Everything was contaminated. And so Paul and Silas, they could be tempted to say, why are we here, God? Well, the Lord specifically led them there. And I believe that they were able to sustain this beating and this treatment and being falsely accused. That's a hard thing, to be falsely accused. I found out that you can accuse anybody of anything at any time. And then they have to prove that they're not guilty. It's easy to accuse someone. And God has... God has something to say about a false witness. He doesn't like that. And so anyway, they could easily have begun to question God, but I believe that what, with the leading of the Lord, they knew they were exactly right where they were supposed to be. This doesn't mean that God wants to see his people abused and harmed. Listen, friends, God is a good God. He, he thinks good thoughts about us. He has good plans for us in our life. He's good. But these two men, I'm going to tell you what they've done. They have entered into the kingdom of darkness all around them in this region, and they were the light of God. It reminds me of that first missionary journey when they... They're doing a pretty good job, and all of a sudden they want to talk to the proconsul Sergius and they and uh, a guy named Elamus, a sorcerer, interferes with that and tries to stop them from being able to preach the gospel to him. And when that happened, Paul, the Bible says Paul looked right straight at him. I think John Mark was there somewhere. If he wasn't there, he heard about it. And he had just joined up with him. He hadn't been there very long. And Paul said, unlike something we would say to someone, you child of the devil. <laughs> wow, what a way to get members in your church. <laughs> Come on in here, brother, you child of the devil. You can't do anything right. You're evil. You're bad through and through. You're going to be struck with blindness. The proconsul's standing here watching all this like, whoa, <laughs> you know. And you see, Paul and Silas were the reality. 
apostles. They didn't play games. They took care of business as they went along. Can you say amen to that? Well, I think everything was going good for John, Mark, and them because they were going from synagogue to synagogue and life was good and they were sharing and he was hanging out with the big guys. And, and after this, it wasn't very long and he went home. And I don't have anything bad to say about John, Mark, but you know what? I don't think he was up to this, this challenge. That's just my own personal belief. I'm glad he was not there. I'm glad it wasn't Paul and John Mark. It would have, I think it would have been a disaster. And uh, sometimes there's a timing thing in our walk with God. One night when I was at the, the church I was in before, and the pastor and I were in the side office, and it was just before the evening service, and a young man came in, and his family was out in this great big old station wagon. He had everything. Practically, I guess he owned was in this station wagon and kids and his wife. And he had left where he was, and he had launched out to blaze the trail for God. And it ended up in a kind of a disaster. And he was asking for help to get enough money to get home. But you know something? I don't hold that against the guy. At least he had the courage. Okay? I'm going to give him that. Like when Peter stepped out to walk on the water. Yeah, he sunk. That's what everybody talks about. But let's back up a little bit. How many of you are going to step out and take that first step? Yeah, we've got a life jacket in here. Uh, Peter, hand me that life jacket before you go out there. So it's looking pretty bleak. They're placed in the dungeon. Their feet are fastened in stocks. They began to sing, to pray, and to sing praises and sing hymns. There's a, one version that describes the hymns as psalms. They were singing psalms. And don't forget that the psalms were words that were put to music. So if you quote the psalms to someone, that's good, it's the word of God. But if you sing the Psalms, you're singing the word of God. And, that, and the word of God is the truth. It's the baseline truth of everything. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Always tell the truth. And it says right here, well, the first thing I want to say is that there's some top some uh, points I want to make, and the first is that prayer and praise is portable. Stay with me now. That probably doesn't sound very Pentecostal, very spiritual, but prayer and praise is portable in that you can pray and praise anywhere you go. If you're on the mountaintop riding the wave, you can pray and praise. If you're in the worst situation of life and you're down in the, in the dungeon level, you can pray and you can praise. God will hear either way, anytime. He will hear us. Wherever, whenever, anywhere, anytime, in good times and bad, 
in the rain, the shine, the sleet, or the snow. If the mailman can deliver mail in the rain, sleet, and snow, surely we can pray and praise our God. Come on. Hallelujah. The psalmist said in Psalms 139 and 7, Where can I go from your presence? You ought to read that sometimes. Where is life going to take us? Where are we going to find ourselves in life in certain situations? Well, wherever that may be, God is always God everywhere you go. No matter where we go, God is always God. And we can pray, and we can praise. Now, the next thing I want to say is that prayer and praise invites the presence of God. And I tell you today that the presence of God in your life, our life, solves so many problems. I encourage us all to seek the Lord and His great presence because in His presence, the Bible tells us, is fullness of joy. Not just kind of joyful, but fullness of joy. And fullness of joy. And that is a fruit of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Israel knew that God inhabited their praises. Psalms 95, come let us sing for the Lord, for the joy of the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come together before him with thanksgiving and extol him with, with music and song. Philippians Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and thanksgiving present your requests to God. We need to be thankful. That's what God wants to hear. He wants to hear thankfulness along with our praise. Enter into His gates with what? Thanksgiving. And His courts with what? With praise. To do so any other way is incorrect. Hallelujah. How long are we going to praise? What's the cutoff point? Because the psalmist says in one, Psalms 104, 38, I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. And my being is while I'm still intact. And I... I think it's going to be like this. We're going to praise him to the last second, hallelujah, of our life, our being. And then when we transition into the presence of God, when there's no more time, we will praise him forevermore. Hallelujah. We're not going to stop. We had a, we had a brother in our church years ago, elderly man. He was almost... I think he was almost 99, and the family let him drive the truck on his farm from the stock pond down up to the house, which that in and of itself concerned me, but that's what they wanted to do. And he drove back and forth, and, and uh, 
I think it had a good set of brakes. Let's just, let's just say that. I hope it did. And so he came in one day, and he was one to sing. He always would sing songs, and he would sing the songs that we sang in the church, praise choruses. But the problem was he sang the wrong song to one song to the music of another song. And he just went right on with it. He was okay with that. He was good with that. Because he didn't even know he was doing it, but he was praising God. He was always praising God. And one day, he told the pastor, he said, you know, I don't know if it's me or what, but I can hear this beautiful music. I can't tell where it's coming from. And the pastor said, you're hearing the sound of heaven. You know, I'm not worthy of it, but I hope to be in a choir in heaven. And I hope shakes the choir director. And one day, Mr. Flowers came in, and he said, he announced, I'm ready to go. I'm ready. And shortly after that, he passed away. <laughs> There's some sounds that we're going to hear, friends, that we didn't, we had no idea. That's what's, that's what's going to happen. We're going to get in heaven and we're going to say, I had no idea it was like this. I didn't know. But Paul said, I have seen and ears, no eye has seen and nor ear heard the things that God has prepared for them that love him. It isn't even in our mind. We can't even comprehend it. Okay, another thing that I want to share with you here, and it's in this verse, and I, I didn't used to pay any attention to this. And like I say, I, I was telling Bobby here that, you know, in the years that I've read this and preached from it a few times and heard other people preach from it, I, I never, there's a few things here I just never saw before until I started looking at this. That's that's the beauty of this class we, we have on Wednesday is that we were, we were sharing together. And it says here that they were praying and singing praise in the 25th verse, and the other prisoners were listening to them. I always just glided right over that like, oh, that's cool. Well, really? In order to be in the dungeon you would have had to have committed some felonious act or an act of sedition against the government. Or, uh, But the chances are, once you got in here, you were never going to get out again, at least not alive. And the prisoners were listening. And I don't believe that God just randomly, accidentally has, his, has verses in the Scripture that don't mean anything. That's there because it is significant and it means something they were listening to the gospel of Jesus Christ as it was prayed aloud as it was sung aloud as they sang the praises of God the, the songs and the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and they were hearing the word of God and they were listening and this word listening means they listened intently they heard they listened intently I mean, they were just right there. And then it says, and suddenly, I like 
this word. The Bible likes to use this word. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake. A violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Now, here's what happened when the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. Now, the doors flying open, I can see that. I can see how that would happen. <laughs> but how did... How did God do that other neat thing where the, their chains came off, okay? Now, before, he sent an angel to do that kind of neat stuff. Even waking them up and everything was quiet and peaceful and they sneaked out of the jail. But God decided this time he wasn't going to do it like that. It's like, if you harm and hurt my people, I'm going to tear up your jail. And he causes an earthquake to come. You don't believe me? Okay. Looking for the book of Psalms. I know it's here somewhere. I, I, I got a new and old testament. Here. I thought that was 18, but it's 10. The psalmist said in Psalms 18, now I'm talking about earthquakes. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. You ever been in distress? <laughs> From his temple, he heard my voice. God has really good hearing, doesn't he? I cry, and his temple is, I don't know how many light years away. Well, really, it's right here, isn't it? I mean, we're the temple of the Lord. But anyway, he heard my cry from his temple. My cry came before him into his ears. Now, here's what happened when I cried to the Lord in my distress. The earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Can I get an amen, please? Come on, somebody give me a witness on this. I'm preaching the truth. This is the way it really went down. These doors flying open. Have you ever had a door slam shut in your face? A door of opportunity, a door of hope, a door of promise that was important to you that you hoped would, would be a new venue to do whatever it is you wanted to do in God and in your life, and the door was slammed shut. Well, here we have a new concept. We have doors slamming open. They flew open. And everybody's chains came loose, and the jailer woke up. Now, I don't think he was all sound asleep 
all the time because he had received that special charge that they were to be watched over. And so I think he was probably catnapping through the night. And I want to tell you something about that jailer. I think that guy knew everything that was going on in that jail. He had dealt with every kind of problem. There wasn't any bad guy that could challenge him and win. I see him as a big old stocky guy, and and his demeanor isn't exactly uh, the human resources section of town, and uh, his he probably wasn't a poster boy for hygiene or anything else. <laughs> I mean... And we don't even know his name, so I'm just going to call him Mr. Jailer. You know, God doesn't tell us what his name is. But anyway, he sees what's happening. The jailer wakes up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he saw that. He drew the sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. The reason for that is because under Roman law, if you were in charge of prisoners and they escaped, you would receive their sentence. So he had a motive to be sure that they didn't escape. And isn't this what prisoners do? Don't prisoners just escape? Well, sometimes they do. The point I want to make here is prayer and praise brings deliverance. Hallelujah. Come on. There's so many people that need deliverance. There's so many people in our world that we live and that we pass every day that need the deliverance of God. You know, I told Pastor Olin Griffin when he was here the other day, I said, you know, I have something that happens to me, and I, I've mentioned it here a few times, and I've never read anything about it or anything, but I'll just be going along in my daily routine, and I'll just suddenly see somebody, and all of a sudden, my heart goes out to that person. And they're probably going to turn around to a corner and leave, and I'll never see them again. And it, it catches me unaware every time. It's not a planned thing. And so... A fellow came in the other day, and he was paying his fine where I was working a few, actually a few months ago. And I just turned around and saw him, but there's lots of them. They're all day long. And it was like my radar locked on this dude. And he's paying his fine, and I'm sizing him up. And something about this person just captured my Oh, I wanted to talk to him. I wanted to, and I couldn't talk to him. I couldn't go up and, and talk and read scriptures and things like that. So I said, well, Lord, if I, could just, if I could just put my hand on him and impart Jesus, I'll do that. If that's all I can do, I will do that. But I'm sitting there thinking, now he, when he gets through, he's either going to go out that way or he's going to come around this way. So I waited carefully waited the plot was set the trap was set and so and this man <laughs> I, I liked the way he was dressed he had a flair about him he had these he had a little feather 
somewhere on it. I, somewhere on him, he had a feather and some something, and and he's taking care of this fine like it's just really a big deal. It's his business, and so he he concludes his business, and he turns, and I thought he was going the other way, but he came my way. <laughs> the trap was about to be set. So as he walks by me, I said, hey, how you doing, buddy? My name is James Neal. What's your name? And in my heart, I said, I impart Jesus to this person. I don't know where that's going to go. But, you know, I, I can't understand everything that God does. It's probably not my business. But I know what I know. I know what was revealed to me. I know what I sensed in my heart and my spirit. Many years, many years ago, I was working a off-duty job in a party. And oh, they were drinking and having a good time, and it was a it was a birthday party, and there was this young boy, a little kid, and he had crutches, and he would put the crutches down and try to dance on the floor, and he was just having a big time, and and I saw something. I saw the call of God on his life. And his parents came over, and they started talking to me, and I asked them something about him. They said, yeah, he's just, he's had several brushes with death. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we thought we were going to lose him a time or two. Then I knew he had been called by God to do something. I don't know what. God didn't show me that. And so I said, in my heart, I said, if I could just lay my hand, maybe on his shoulder, and just impart Jesus. And I watched him. And I went to where the door into the restroom, and I, I just stood there like I was doing other things. And, and I watched, and I watched, and all of a sudden he set the crutches down, and he started walking my way. You know why he did that? The Spirit of the Lord told him to. He didn't know it. None of these other people knew it, but I knew it. <laughs> and so he gets over there, and I'm just waiting. I'm going to tackle this little kid spiritually. So he gets over there by me. He doesn't even, like he didn't even see me. And I asked his name, by the way. And I don't remember his name, but I said, hey, Mike or whatever. And I put my hand on his shoulder. And I imparted, imparted to him whatever he needed in his life to complete the purpose of God. Now, I never saw those people again. That's been probably 30 years ago. So many people need to be delivered. Well, this isn't the first time there's been an earthquake like this, and it's not going to be the last time. And there was an earthquake that God sent when Jesus was crucified, and there was another earthquake that God sent at the resurrection and that was the one that kind of interested me because it says the angel of the Lord came down and his appearance was like lightning. Everybody's got a lightning story. Man, I've got some good ones, some lightning stories. Man, that lightning hit. It must have hit right next to me. You know? and, and every story's bigger than the other. But this, he was like lightning. 
And he rolled the stone back from the tomb, not to let Jesus out, but to let the people look and see that it was an empty tomb. Jesus was already gone from there. And then, you know what he did? And I have no idea why. He sat on the rock. <laughs> I mean, God does neat things, don't he? He sat on the rock. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So, the jailer called for lights. He rushed in and he fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them and asked them, saying, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Apparently he had been listening. And so now they're going to tell him what he's got to do to be saved. Well, wait a minute. I've got to read another verse to you. Verse 28. When the jailer was going to kill himself, Paul yelled out and he said, don't harm yourselves. We are all here. In all the years that I've ever read this verse, I never saw this one word in this verse that is so significant. And that word is, well, I want you to guess. What do you think, what verse, what word in that verse do you think is a game changer? How about we? We are all not just me and Silas. We're the important guys. You know, we're, we're still here, so you're good. You're good, Jailer, Mr. Jailer. No. He said, we, they as well as the other prisoners, he identified with them. You know, when Bobby goes to India, he identifies from house to house. He identifies with those people who share the gospel. When we go to the workplace and we, we share the gospel, we identify with them. And here it's prisoners. He doesn't set himself apart and say we're better than them. No. We are all here. So then the jailer comes in. He says, what I need to do to be saved. And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus. I found in the Amplified Version a portion of Scripture that is so refers to this when you talk about what does it mean to believe i mean the bible says the devils believe and they tremble they're horrified so really what are we saying and then here in the amplified bible it says believe in the lord jesus in verse 31 in parentheses it commentates it says give yourself up to him take yourself out of your own keeping and entrust yourself into his keeping. Amen? Isn't that a good verse? That is so good. It says so much. I'm not going to run my life anymore. I'm going to let God run my life because I believe in you. Not just I believe in God in a higher power. No, it's more to it than that. I believe in you, the Savior of the world. My keeper, my Lord, my, my protection, my salvation. And then the jailer, I got to show you this. Then, and you'll be saved in your household. In verse 32, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. 
At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he put all of his, he and all of his family were baptized. How about that? The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was, okay, you got to see this. Another thing that I read over and over, and, and I never really got the full impact of it. But it says, and he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. Where's the joy? Don't be shortchanged by the by not having the joy of the Lord. Are you saved? I ask you, are you saved? Yes. He, the jailer, upon closer examination, it says, according to the Amplified Bible, he took them into his house and set before food before them, and he, quote, leaped much <laughs> for the joy and exalted with all of his family that he believed in God. Guys, just jumping for joy. He's happy. This is the listen. This is the best thing that ever happened to this guy, and it's the best thing that ever happened to you and me. Well, he's kind of being embarrassing. Well, tell him that. I'm not going to. You know, he's leaping for joy. Peter calls it this. He says in 1 Peter 1 and 8, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an expressible and glorious joy. Remember that song we used to see? It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Remember that? Hallelujah. Why? Why would we rejoice like that? For you are receiving the goal of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. There's so many people looking for breakthrough, looking for some big, big thing to happen. Just look at the fact that you've been saved and your sins are washed away. You've been saved by the blood of Jesus. Rejoice in that. I'm not saying there's... Great things that can happen for us. Yes, there is. But let's just rejoice in the Lord. You know, at the end of the day, I'm led to believe that the joy of the Lord, which is, it is this, exceeding joy, great joy, fullness of joy, unspeakable joy, leaping joy, dancing joy, walking joy, songs of joy, shouts of joy and joy in every aspect of our relationship with God. Come on, grab hold of the joy of the Lord. Let it spill over onto you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, the next thing I want to say, the last part of this sermon today, is prayer and praise leads to vindication. And uh, how could this great wrong be made right? You know what? They were innocent. They were innocent of the charges. And so we find out that the magistrate sent the jailer, told him, hey, cut these guys loose. 
you know. And they were afraid because somewhere along the way, somebody told them, you know, they were, these are Roman citizens, and they had made a big mistake. And even though the empire of Rome was as corrupt as in every way, they still had laws that protected a citizen. They still had that. And so they were afraid. I'm just talking to you now. And that put the jailer in a tough spot because the jailer comes along and says, hey, these guys want you to leave. And after this great deliverance that happened, Paul could have said, no, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to file charges on you guys. But he didn't do that. Here's what he could have done. You see, you can seek a legal remedy if you've been wronged. Okay? You can seek a legal remedy. And if it's a heinous crime, a felonious crime, a terrible thing that can't be fixed, then... You may forgive the person of the crime, but the state reserves the right to execute justice. Do you see what I'm saying? You can still forgive that person. And so rather than take that legal remedy to resolve it, he said, no, have them come and let us go personally. And he did that. He told them, and the magistrates came, and I'm sure they were really concerned because of what could happen to them. And they were allowed to leave. And, you know, the psalmist said in Psalm 17, May my vindication come from you, and may my, your eyes see what is right. Psalms 24 and 4, He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift lift his soul to an idol or swear by what is false, he will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God, his Savior. They were vindicated because they had done no wrong. You see, now this doesn't mean that in every single case that you would not opt for a legal remedy. I'm, I'm not saying that, but I believe that what Paul did here was the right thing to do. In, in view of what all had happened and the lives that had been touched, I think those prisoners, I, we don't know anything else about them, at least as far as I know. And I believe that they, at some point, spread that gospel, however they could do that. Maybe some of them got released. I know this, if I was a prisoner and the door was open, I think I'd run for the light and try to get out. But they didn't do that. They stayed right there. They had found something greater. They had found freedom and deliverance in another way. Hallelujah. That's my sermon to you today. God bless you, and may God bless the word of the Lord to your heart.
Zimbabwe. How many of you are aware of what's going on over there? Okay, for those of you who don't, if you didn't know, I'm from Africa. Born and raised in a country called Rhodesia that is now Zimbabwe. That has been under tyrannical rule for the last 37 years. As of last Wednesday, the president was put under house arrest with his wife because they had done some things constitutionally. They've been doing things constitutionally that were not right for years. And finally, the military and the veterans that fought for the revolution that took place said, enough, we've had enough. They put them under house arrest. We began to pray. Oh God, what is going to happen with my country? Saturday, yesterday, in the daytime, thousands and thousands of Zimbabweans, Zimbabweans got their voice back and marched through the streets of my city and marched through the streets of our country declaring that they were going to be free. Their chains were going to be unshackled. They were coming out of the dungeon of 37 years of being terrorized, of being broken and destroyed. They came out of their dungeon and they said, no more. They said, no more. And the Lord Jesus Christ has come in. This nation is a Christian nation. The Lord Jesus himself has come in and is vindicating my people. This president will be impeached this week. They asked him to step down yesterday. He was resistant. They said, we're trying to do this constitutionally. You have the choice to walk away and still save face or we're taking you out. That sounds a little somber, but I'm telling you, the power of God is on my country. The power of God is on the United States as well. I'm telling you now, the Lord Jesus Christ is vindicating my people. The Lord Jesus Christ is setting my country free to become the breadbasket of Africa once again. And today we rejoice and say, look what the Lord has done.
for your word that we've heard today, that we've reminded, we've been reminded that our praise and prayers are portable. We don't have to be in a church house or at our house, but in any circumstance and in every place, even in a dungeon, we can call on your name and see things happen. Lord, I pray for those who are in the pits today, spiritually, or those that are on the mountaintop spiritually, that your praise would be on their lips, that they would trust you, and that in their trust, they would not faint. For in due season, they will reap if they don't faint. God, thank you for your people. I ask you, Lord, to bless them and keep them. Cause your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. Lord, lift up your countenance, smile on your people, and give them your peace, the peace that passes understanding, the peace that's based upon victory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great Thanksgiving. Shine.